Sounding Board Podcast with Hachi and Damo. Thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Good to have your company on the Sounding Board for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise, Series 7, Episode 18. Craig Cutchison, Damien Barrett with you in the South Bank studios today. And Hachi, we might start with some feedback we got from uh, a listener last week. We got a lot of feedback and, and some of it gets some genuine cut through. And the feedback uh, I'm referring to came from the... Uh, commentator, media commentator Peter Ford, who we referenced last week after he had posted a photo on his uh, social media accounts highlighting how he was going to end up in London, but on the way was uh, going to be sitting in seat 1A with a glass of uh, sparkling wine in the uh, in the uh, airline lounge. Uh, he has responded uh, to us. He liked the mention. Lovely to be considered worthy. It's actually a bit of an in-joke between myself and other media. Although I'm lucky to be up the front these days, I've never actually had 1A for international, even though it was business, not first class. That's the seat that does give you bragging rights. Anyway, enjoy your work and grateful for a mention, but for the record, it was Dom, not sparkling, and I didn't need to tag in Qantas as I paid myself. Peter. Hello to you, Hudson. Hello, Damo. You're excited to get a message back from Pete Ford, a bit more than I was, to be honest, but... Uh... <laughs> I, look, I think it was directed at you because you were, the, you were the one who drove the Peter content. <laughs> what, what I took out of that, and he's one of the great entertainment reporters in the nation's history probably, but there was no addressing of or denial of it being a stage name and not his real name. I thought that would have been the first thing you went, by the way, it's not my name is Peter Ford. So You're convinced of this, aren't you, that that's not his name? I, I've got no knowledge of this, but you're running with this. It was just a wild theory based upon the fact that the passport does over... Like his his real name would be printed on the you don't print stage names on Qantas tickets, Damo. It's tied to your frequent fly number. <laughs> so I you know I'd like to see a real Peter Ford ticketed plane ticket before I'm prepared to concede that's not his stage name. But let me start the conversation, Damo, for Mosh, a men's online health platform making health easy. Get your health sorted and get into it. How are you, are you getting ready for grumpy season? By the way. Uh, I'm always ready for that. Let me, yeah, let, am, I, am I into it yet or let not? Let me let everyone in on this. So <laughs> this is how, how thin-willed uh, the media is, particularly the AFL media. Oh, yeah. Yes, you, yeah. all of you, all as of Mark you. Thompson would say. <laughs> yeah. From Queen's birthday until the end of July, every these are first world problems. Everyone goes ratty. In media, sometimes and in it doesn't take that to that stage yeah. of the season. But yep. But you know, like how there's duck season and there's official opening day where people start firing each other on duck season. Well, the day after Queen's birthday is grumpy season in the AFL. Is that when you world. think it is? So it's about the halfway point, you reckon, yep. of, the, of the completion of the final series that you think it kicks in, do you? Yep. Forty days and forty nights. It's okay. like. So from next Tuesday, and and you and I have been, by the way, very active participants in grumpy season, so I don't think we're distancing ourselves from this at all, but it's when the winter... I think it starts a bit earlier for me some years, actually. Particularly in Melbourne, the winter kicks in, uh, the games get a bit more boring, and split rounds are in And there's less games. There's only six games a week for three weeks in a row. People you know who are a bit higher up in their businesses are taking European trips that you haven't been allowed to do. Yes. So-and-so, what do you mean so-and-so's gone to Bali for seven days and I'm filling in for him? So that's all her. So that's all happening. So well, well, Kel Toomey at our place has taken off, just just disappeared. Kel Toomey, Kel Toomey, he's gone overseas. Half his luck. He's not winter Europe. I don't. Think, I, don't I don't think it's a secret because you, you can't just disappear. And, and I'm, I'm jealous of him. Where's he gone? I believe he's gone overseas. How long for? For a while. How long? Mate, he can do what he wants. <laughs> he's, he's the king. But the to your the point, season. Yeah, I'm jealous. <laughs> so I think it's. Grumpy season's upon us, and what I'm asking our audience to do is hashtag grumpy season. If you see examples of things that are, people are getting irritated about stuff that they would never have normally get irritated about when they're excited to see this back in April <laughs> or when the spring's out in September, okay. disproportionate grumpiness from the media, so I'm looking for through grumpy season. Starts the day after Queen's birthday, there'll be a ceremonial shooting in the air of the guns. <laughs> Grumpy Laurie, season's upon us. Laurie Levy will come and mop up everything. <laughs> and then, you know, when you when you're someone's in, a, in an argument, you know, someone's whacking someone about whether you know, Sinclair should be in the All-Australian <laughs> team and taking offence at their response or something. Well, that was our conversation starter for Mosh, proving Aussie men with clinical treatment for hair loss, sexual health and more, all online. Well, I reckon Kevin Sheedy started early because he, he feels the AFL should apologise to Essendon, the yep. club which actually gave its players drugs, they still to this day don't know the contents of. But he, he thinks he thinks that nine years later, eight years later, that the AFL should be apologising yep. to Essendon. Have you seen anything more 
ridiculous this year, Hutchie, than, than that statement by Kevin Sheedy. It, it picked the absolute worst timing to have the absolute silliest view. And God love Kevin. We all love Kevin. That was way out of step and could not have been less timely. And the own goals at Essendon have been adding up. Mm. The chairman's video was as good an own goal as we've seen for a long time. And from a chairman who began well, I thought. He had a strong agenda to start with. Take me through what you didn't like about the, the Paul Brasher, the chairman of the football club, issuing a, a video to members uh, on the run <laughs> explaining that there would be a review just 18 months after a previous review conducted by the same three directors right who had conducted the one 18 months Let's ago. Let's apply it to business. Just pick a, a, a random brand name. Uh, Telstra. Okay, so let's let's apply the same thing. Telstra's had a really bad year. Fictitiously, they haven't, of course. They've had a great year, but Telstra's had a really bad year. Um, everyone's angry with them. The customers are um, off them. They haven't been able to get any outcomes for their clients. And the chairman of or woman of Telstra, uh, chairperson of Telstra, comes out and says, uh, "We just want to let everyone know that we're conducting a review of Telstra. This review is likely to to validate that we everything is fine. That we." don't need to change anyone's roles, that we're very comfortable going to this review, that we need perhaps even just more people to help the people that are doing their jobs, but they've got the right people in the right spots. How can you get, how can you announce a review and forecast what it's likely to to unearth yep. before you've even done it? When, it, when it's meant to be, full, another quote, full scale? It, it predicted that we might need more help for the areas, but they're all doing a really good job, and it didn't ignore the fact that there's a soft cap in place. And my first thing was, how are they not spending the full soft cap anyway if they think there's room to do even more hmm. to support did you like the bit where Kevin you, Sheedy... How can you review things but not have anyone the subject of it? Yeah. So Kevin Sheedy, Sean Wellman and Simon Madden, iconic Essendon figures, were the people identified by Paul Brasher to be conducting the review. Those three names conducted a review 18 months ago. Yeah. And then, so The same three people, the been, same three directors internally. three have been reviewing the place for 15 years, it feels like. Hmm. Um, what if... what? That was just a quick soundbite attempt to try and pacify to innate fans and yep. say, we're, we're looking into it, but, but don't get too excited that we're going to make any change. And then, then he spent the next 24 hours mopping up on various media outlets yep. in, 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 you know, um, hand-picked chosen slots. Damage uh, control. Yep. yep. And but basically denying the need for a big full-scale review, which he'd called for himself and, less than 24 hours earlier. And invited the criticism of the CEO because the timing, they got that wrong as well. So, like, you know, I feel for their... Media team have had to clean up the mess left from a higher level, but that was that was own goal stuff, wasn't it? It's just bizarre as you've ever seen. And then and then for Cheedy on the on the as it was the Monday night of the the week in question, where it's sat playing Friday night, Saturday night a gala event to acknowledge the 150 years of this football club's life. Um, decides to then invite everyone to to have an opinion back on what was one of the great scandals of all time. Yeah, hmm. yeah. So they've they've had a rough week. Anyway, hopefully they can get all that out of the way before grumpy season. Grumpy season. Uh, Eddie going to Channel 10. What do you make of that? Good move by 10, I think. Um, He's going to be calling. I don't know if it's been confirmed. I haven't seen who's involved. The story is that he will be uh, heading up the Melbourne Cup Carnival coverage. I haven't seen... um, what role he's playing or who else is involved. So I don't We only plays one role. Yeah, I'm sure he's, he's not gonna so be I, secondary to anyone, aren't you? I assume that the the uh, unbelievably talented people who are already there, the quarters and the Katies and the others of the world have still got big roles and influential roles and so I'd, I'd run that caveat over what I'm about to say. But he's he's um you know it's a big investment, right? So you've got to put your best foot forward on it. It's a it's a lot of money. It's disproportionate money for four days and you know, you can see why they would want to draw you know, even bigger attention to it and support it with, you know, available talent. I think it, it sounded like it almost happened last year, didn't it? Did it? Well, that was that was the whisper kicking around last year that it was potentially a target for either of them. So I don't know what happened, but yep. you can see why, why it happened and what wasn't going to go here this early in, in this uh, chat today, Hutchie, but I may as well give them a uh, introduced horse racing to it. Uh, Peter Volandis, L man, PVL, not PVO, PVL. Yep. Uh, one day before the Victorian Racing You're Authority. You're fascinated by this, I'm aren't you? fascinated by this. Explain, yeah, so, explain why. Well, it was well known in the racing media, certainly down here in Victoria, that today, and today is Tuesday of this week, but there was going to be massive announcements, in inverted commas, because that's what they were telling people they were going to be, about prize money increases and, and structural changes in the spring carnival calendar and, and other events. Uh, PVL got wind of this, decided to, 
within the 24 hours prior to this, just announced another massive increase in a, in a race that he's created, the Golden Eagle, yep. a race exclusively for, for four-year-olds, um, which was already worth $8 million, just decided to bump it up to $10 million on the day before the uh, the uh, Victorian Racing Authorities are trying to trumpet the fact that some iconic races are now going to be worth $3 million. Yep. Yep. And he went quick on it too, didn't he? Like they, they, they got it out quickly when they saw the announcement was coming, yeah. which was, again, right from the playbook. He he is so shrewd on this stuff. And when you've seen the announcement, I don't want to get too bogged down in what, what Victoria Racing, Racing well, Victoria did. There's one you, particular part of it that you know I'm fascinated by. Before you get to it, I do want you to get to this bit, but but ultimately the the, the, the he's killed off. The autumn carnival in, in Victoria, and he's in so, and he's actually in the process of killing off the spring carnival by way of this race being worth ten million dollars. Because some of the races they announced today will be affected by the quality of horse going to Sydney for the other race. Yeah, they're competitive, aren't they? The two states are very competitive on trying to. Out- I'm not sure there is a competition anymore. Outdo- Sydney just wins. Yeah, they outdo each other on the product, and I see no question that the Herald Sun lent in on the Melbourne end of it. Oh yeah, it's interesting how the. Um, the daily tally relationship with New South Wales racing is super tight. Yep, and it plays its role. And then Victoria, with obviously um, you know influential figures like Peter Blunden, who's who sits on a board of a race club, sits on the board, yeah, very big racing fan and big racing owner and very smart racing person. Loves but, his racing. But he he lends a very strong suggestive hand to how it's covered in Victoria. And you've almost got, uh, unlike politics, Damo, you've got almost got two camps in news. On the racing Which horse. is unusual in news yeah. these days, given the national approach that and, is taken. And how many times do you reckon there's a meeting on a Monday hour where they go, oh, in Sydney we're doing this. <laughs> we can't be seen to be doing that, what you're doing, but if you did it, this is how we'd probably respond and let's keep each other, let's let's just keep each other across what we're doing, can we? <laughs> yeah. For any fallout. It's, it's, it's unusual. I, I suppose that, um, yeah, a lot of people get uh, annoyed at the wars. Um, well, I do as a, just as a neutral punter. I, I see it as just I, it's, great the, for the, the sport is just I don't. The sport is just absolutely cannibalising itself, aren't you? Well, it has the means to do that and the want to lift prize money. Well, e- even the two races they announced today, they've changed the names of, I think it's the Cantala Stakes and the McKinnon. I, I think it is. They even hold me to that. But ultimately, there's going to be a 1,600-metre race and a 2,000-metre race, both weight for age, on the same day, as far as I could read it. Yep. That's the same quality and calibre of horse that, that is could be targeted for either race traditionally, and it comes, I think, a week after a $10 million race over the same effective distance that, that, that only four-year-olds can race in, run in Sydney. I think it's great for participants, owners, trainers that the prize money is so great. So I'm, I'm, let me just say that. I'm wrapped. Um, I, I do wonder whether the more money really does much other than – like I don't, I'm not sure it actually moves the needle the way the industries themselves feel that it does. My experience with our audiences is the way you present um, your coverage is a, as important as the quality of the animal running in it. Really? Yeah, I think I think it's I think there's a well the numbers okay. a slight over obsession. The numbers on the, I think the the Melbourne Cup carnival last year that we just touched on with Channel Ten were were down from my recollection of them. Down badly. I think, I think modern racing fans follow. They don't want to do form. They they want to be tip two rather than tip themselves. They are in the reaffirmation market. <laughs> they want to. Yeah, I, th- I thought that might win, and someone else just told me it could. And I reckon if you make your poon races in Queensland interesting for them on a Tuesday afternoon, they're not going to be as interested in Cox Plate Day. But the gap between the two is not nearly as much as the industry think it is. Really? Yeah. I think there's a new mm. consumer now. I'm a I don't know if anyone I've ever had that argument that agrees with me. <laughs> yeah, a lone voice. I'm not sure your poon was your best example. You well, I think it is. I think it's all about the pageantry of the day and how interesting you can make it. And yeah, there's like, nothing pageantry then, about your poon, aren't you? Well, there is if you make it fun. No, there's not. SEN tracks proven that. No, if you make it fun. Oh, please. It has. Hey, please. This is what I love the most in the <laughs> racing. SEN tracks. In- oh. This is what racing New South Wales. The release. Now, when you put out a media release, ninety nine point nine percent of the market. Have for any further information, please contact X person in the PR and comms department. And normally, you've got to go through the PR and comms assistant now to get to the head of PR and comms. It says, "I'll speak to the person who speaks to the chairman <laughs> yeah. to see if he or she is available." Yes, right. What do you normally notice? five degrees? So I was scanning down <laughs> the bottom of the Racing New South Wales release Monday yep. afternoon. Golden Eagle prize money increased to ten million dollars. I thought, wow. <laughs> I thought, will Pete be quoted in the story or not? Of course, he was. 
got to the bottom. For further information, yeah. please contact Mr. Peter Valenti's by phone. <laughs> <laughs> and I but, haven't but, seen... <laughs> but not, not a mobile number. You have to go through no, a landline. On the landline. <laughs> Who rings landlines? But I loved it. It was like, yeah, this is my release. And if you want me to explain it to you, here yeah. I am. I loved it. <laughs> now, I haven't seen that since the Grant Thomas days. When Remember when you used to ring... You, this is probably going a bit behind the curtain. I hate talking about Grant Thomas, but I know where you're going with this, and it's a good conversation. Grant Thomas was the single biggest micromanager in the history yep. of AFL coaches to the point where if you rang the club with a query, yes. he would often ring back and say, Hutch, you can go one better than that. I, I rang, the, you know, you bring the switchboard to get the <laughs> he CEO. He answer the switchboard. He answered the what did he, One day he answered the switchboard. And you know, I don't like he this did man. Not he, the I don't switch. like this man at all. He, he hates me. I hate him. <laughs> but, so, oh, but, I, but I'm giving him a massive pump up. He answered the switchboard. Answer the switchboard. Answer the switchboard. switchboard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You can, you can, it can be a Tuesday afternoon during grumpy season, <laughs> yeah. middle of the year. You could be wanting to interview Craig Devonport about his 18 position game <laughs> on the half forward flank yeah. against the Bulldogs. <laughs> and you'd put a request in at one and you get a call back at two. It wasn't even two. Grant it would be Thomas, 138. Yeah, Grant yeah. Thomas here. What do you want to speak to yeah. Craig about? <laughs> yeah. This is the coach. <laughs> That's right. Now, that is true. Yeah, we haven't seen anyone that hands-on until when I yesterday, and I, I you know, loved it. <laughs> yeah. Please ring Peter, <laughs> <laughs> and he, he would take the call. He would. He would take he's, the call. He's transparent, and that's yeah. what you got. You got. I know I'm an Unabashed fan. You got to admire. And he's probably diverted that landline number to the mobile yep. phone in case people are ringing for that Golden yeah. Eagle I reason. Think if you ring race, I think yeah. if you did the same reverse in Victoria, there'd be a lot of layers to get to. Anyway, um, have, I, have I just missed it, or has it not been published yet? What's that? I might have missed it. Here we go. The referencing to the Sunday Herald Sun columnists issues. Have I just missed it? Tony Sheen. Oh, we spoke about this last week. Yeah, we did. They, yeah, they, yeah. Haven't, they haven't covered it. They yet. haven't covered it? No. I just wasn't sure if I just missed yep. it. Yeah. Now you want to keep me, a, keep me a, just a running tally on that? Well- The column's gone. It, yeah, it must have. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I don't think anyone knew, by the way. No, not yep. until after the event. Yep. Yep. So that's- Okay. So Ju- July 18, I think, is the next court phase of it in the New South Wales system. So so maybe they're waiting for the finalisation of the sanction? Well, I don't know. We, we, I mean, you know, I don't take any, you know, I, I feel quite, um, I feel for the, everyone involved. I don't see any delight in it being covered, but uh, I think they are obliged to cover it in, even if it's four paragraphs, they can't, you've got to hold it, that, you know, I think we talked about this last week, you've got to hold the same account that everyone... You're right there, don't you? I'm just nearly falling off a chair. <laughs> you fell off a chair? What do you mean you fell off the chair? Literally nearly fell off the you chair. You actually fell off the chair? Yeah, I nearly did. I thought you were about to say something nice about news and then your own self-instincts <laughs> fell off the no. chair reacting to your own violence. I was leaning into your conversation <laughs> and then my arms slipped and then I slipped. <laughs> hey, speaking, we're speaking of initials. Uh, we've been following PVO. Yeah. Five days after, this was last Wednesday, I think. I want to get the actual date on this. Jane, is it last Wednesday or Thursday? It was four or five days after the election. <laughs> Scott Morrison, yeah, you know, he's just been he's just been beaten in the election. He's got a little bit of work to do. He's got to move out of Kirribilli. Yeah, well, now, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't think it was too harsh. So, so set this up. Obviously, the prime minister gets access should he or she choose to live in Kirribilli and Sydney. He chose to, as others have. Yep. Some some have chosen not to. But I would have thought when you lose an election that you're actually planning to win. That there's a reasonable well, window of, of time in which you should get out of the house. Have you tried to get anything done in housing in Australia in the last five years? Like you can't get a thing done. You can't get a ring. You ring an automated number to get a removal. That's right. They got a seven day wait. So so I reckon maybe even if, a month is a fair time. Well, but, I, I think, but month might be pushing. Let's fortnight, go with fortnight. fortnight. Let's go with the fortnight. I think a fortnight. Yeah. Would be even the biggest ScoMo critics would say. I would have fourteen like, days to get your stuff together, find another. Joint we're not ScoMo man. Well, I'm certainly not a ScoMo man. So, so I'm giving him a fortnight. But yep. PVL, what did he think was well, the problem? He was. He thought there was some juice in this on the news. So come <laughs> Wednesday. Yeah. He's, Wednesday of the second week. It must yeah, be said. He's got the right? vision of ScoMo. Yeah. So he's up to about day ten now. Is that right? No, this was last week. This was only three or four days after. Oh, this is the after week the after down, the loss. It was only three or four days after it went down. And oh. and when he when he really wants to drive his points, PBO, I've noticed he doesn't do the link. He goes and sits on the desk. <laughs> okay. So when when he's wound up about something, he goes, "Don't cross to me." Have you got audio here? Have you? I want to be sitting next to you on the. And how many people? Uh, Chris at Channel Nine is the two-time winner of the glass jaw. He's a desk sitter too. <laughs> Um, so PVO's bobbed up on the desk, which is uh, now reporters don't often get to disrupt the desk <laughs> environment. But he goes, "Give me some space tonight. I've got some things to say about this going." Uh, tell me if you think there's opinion wrapped up in this, or is he objectively saying, "By the way, Scomo's still at 
uh, Kirribilli. And which, is, which is a news story. And there's, and, and there's been some criticism. The opposition says it's time to leave. That's a news story. Or is he suggesting that it's his opinion? He's taken the mickey. You be the judge. Peter, we've got a new Prime Minister, but his predecessor hasn't moved out yet. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, Scott Morrison, he's basically squatting at Kirribilli House at this particular point in time. You can't get him off his backside and out of there. Presumably a lot of boxes to pack some curry, uh, various condiments to be able to put together. It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, at the end of the day, he was slow on the vaccine rollout. He was slow to get back to Australia in the wake of Hawaii and the bushfires. And off the back of all of that, slow with the rats as well. It turns out, guess what? He's slow to get out of Kirribilli House as well, much slower than any of his predecessors in past electoral changes. We probably shouldn't be that surprised. All right, thank you, Peter, as always. <laughs> that's good, that like an editorial. No, that's good. That's good. He's got the curry in there. Yeah, got he's the got curry. Hawaii in there. Got the he's got the vaccine in there. The fires. He got, get off his backside. He's got the fires. Squ- we use the word squatting. That, that's the best. Squatting, and he's slow. <laughs> so he said, give me a sharp 30 or 40, and I'm going to take this bloke out by the toenails. And he's given him every run, – run the truck over every one last of his – of his filings, <laughs> <laughs> the curry, the condiments gonna run. <laughs> the curry, <laughs> oh, and then I love the way that uh, Sandra, being the ever professional. Okay, thanks, Peter. Then now on to the next story. <laughs> he just opened up a can of you know what on him. He did. Now uh, let's jump around a bit. Uh, Netball Australia, Hutchie, uh, choosing at short notice, within season, close to finals, uh, identify a venue which ultimately was uh, the highest bidder in, in what seemed to be a, a relatively private negotiation. It's got people up in arms. It's not the tradition in the in the way the sport plays its finals. The finals normally played at the uh, the venue of the highest ranked team. This year it's going to be played in Perth. They have the biggest check. I don't actually have as big issue with it, as some people do. And I can under, certainly understand why people do. It's a very emotional topic. It is a very emotional topic, yeah. And I can see why people are because up. of the inability to play in front of home crowds and those yeah. things. Which and, and, and what was once a, a right for, for that team to do so. Um, but I, I do, though, factor in what's happened in the past or previous two seasons or two years where COVID has smashed so many sports. So if you're still standing after what's happened, you're, you're fortunate. And, and this particular sport was hit as hard as anyone when it came to yeah. The requirements to to go into hubs and to quarantine and to abide by all the government's rules um, without having the big money that has come that does come into the major sports. So your your view is it's fair and reasonable. My view is that it's understandable. I don't know about fair and reasonable. Do you agree but, with it? Um, again, without knowing and without being privy to all the We're books. not privy to any details. We just sit here and give opinions <laughs> that are always uneducated. So give us your best uneducated view of this. Okay. My best uneducated – I think it's a fair decision to make. I, I think in an ideal world, and there's no such thing, the decision would have been made a lot earlier than it was, a, a, fur, a lot further out from the actual said finals series in question, where, where ladder positions are – Tell me, correct me if I'm wrong – effectively – done as, as we speak when the announcement was made, which I think that part of it is not fair or reasonable. But in terms of going to the highest bidder in advance with clubs notified that was being the case, given the financial problems of the sport and the code and the actual competition, I think that's all a reasonable element to it. Yep. Is that fair? It is. I agree with you. And I think our view is the minority view. Yeah. I think the, the prevailing view, which would probably be the more educated because there's so many very well, talented athletes who are who are um, you know frustrated by this decision and by the leadership is that they would have preferred the the knowledge to play in front of home crowds and to know that in advance. I I, I think of it this way, and I'd just say oh, let's as you would say, park netball to the left. I'm a greater good. The greater good is to play the game. So the say bit. it. I'm a greater good guy. That's what you said before. I'm a greater good guy. <laughs> I am. No, no, no. You're, you're, you're a, I'll take the biggest check I, guy. No, I believe, That's what you are. I believe in the greater good. And in sport, my experience is that clubs and players, understandably, who are very passionate about their own environment, their own team and their own situation, look at things from a different lens. Yep. And I'm, I'm not saying which is right or wrong. I'm just being transparent of which I am. I, I believe in the how do you grow the sport? And what are the challenges at head office that the players and coaches and CEOs would not probably understand the depth of the financial issues, the situation, the timing, the confidentiality they're under. There's a whole raft of yeah. things that might have made unable to share it earlier. Would you have liked to have had that done before the season and wrapped up? 
Can you choose your own? Yes. Can you choose your own timing on these things? Sometimes not. Yep. Sometimes there's a window where WA go, well, if it can happen in the next four months and well, we can and move And the quickly. WA government's clearly on a uh, promotional campaign, isn't it? It's, it's advertising everywhere that I've seen anyway at the moment about come over. Yeah. It's got a real yeah. window to drive interest in the state. And the finances were clearly a factor, but it's also, I, I think it's a, not only the size of the cheque, which is important, and we'll find its way back into the athletes and you can fix things in the future, but it's also growing the game. Which you've got to keep doing. But I, don't, I don't know whether that's something they can sell too hard, the growing the game component. Well, I don't, think, I don't know whether it grows the game better. What, what, you can argue at, it grows the game if, the, if there's more money coming in to subsequently erode the well, debt. What do you reckon funds the other stuff? And then you've also got to be making a series of moves that make the game bigger to make it more aspirational, to create more money, to pay athletes even more, and to create the next generation of athletes. So, and I think – so we experience it in basketball. We – you know, the clubs, understandably, they're passionate about their own club, their own their situation, own their environment. Every club is different. So what one club goes, oh, yeah, that's, that sounds good. The other one goes, that doesn't work for us. And you can't please everybody ever. And I find myself almost arguing against what's self-interest sometimes in these rooms. But it's how do you, how do you grow? Mm. And it's a growth move. It was a pretty awkward landing. Yeah. Um, there's some people that are flexed that you, you, you feel for. And it was not perfect. And, yep. But if what do you do? Not take it and let the sport go around without it. And what does that mean? And, and then you leave three or four hundred thousand or whatever the number is on the table yep. that, that you don't get. Um, and in the couple, and when, you, when you've racked up millions of debt in recent years, and change is hard when you do it. If you do it before the season, during the season, or after the season, there's no easy way to. And you feel for the athletes because I think particularly in Nepal, they had some really tough COVID situations. They were they did rough. They really did. Yeah, on some things. So, yep. yeah, yep. I'm with you on it. And yep. I want to ask you about, well, a couple of things. First of all, you've appeared in a television ad. You're in the sports bet TV ad. I'm not sure it's a TV ad. I think it's a social media ad. Has you've it? appeared in a social media ad with sports bet and other journalists such as Sam McClure. And Volcano. And Kane Courts. <laughs> and you've gone viral. Damo has gone viral. Before you, can, before can we you have a, though, did, did you know? I well, clearly you do know because you've watched it. I got you in there. I referenced you. No, you I referenced this what product. What you've done is you've you've used our brand without my consent or any commercial outcome for me or us. Let's have a listen to your answer in the first grab of a sports bet ad. Welcome back to Sportsbet News. It is a massive day at the Journo Tribunal. Our man on the spot is Hammy Goodman. What's the latest at AFL headquarters? Thanks, Tony. A busy day down here as three of the AFL media's biggest names face the music. Not for the first time, Damien Barrett fronted up to the charge of careless use of superlatives while breaking news, resulting in severe clickbaiting. He had this to say. Look, I won't be making any comment about that today. I will exclusively reveal tomorrow on the sounding board with Craig Cutchis and what happened. What did go on in there will send shockwaves through the entire industry and it will shake its foundations to its core. The panel made up of... That'll do, that'll do, that'll do. <laughs> now, on the charge, by the way, you're guilty as charged. That's, yeah. a, that's a sort of rhetoric yeah, I was, I was you roll with. Yeah, I was found guilty. Yeah, your rhetoric that you roll with all the time. Yeah. But, how, like, how have I got the drive-by and how is our brand... No, I thought it would be good exposure for the sounding board. Oh, you thought you were doing the sounding board a favour, did you? Well, I could have said um, Channel 9 or the AFL. I, I said the sounding board or you've, Triple M. I said the sounding board. You've, you've, tangled, you've tangled our brand up. In your commercial, I, I thought you'd like the reference. I nearly, I even mentioned you by name, didn't I? I did actually. You've, you've actually used me to drive a commercial outcome for yourself. <laughs> How have I got scored on this one? <laughs> I, actually, to use your phrase, I'm a great a good guy. <laughs> <laughs> and you've done it now. Now, what do you say to the critics who say you're, oh, you're, you're well, critical? Of- I would have said no to it. Probably eighteen months ago, two years ago, three years ago. But in the end, is it? Is it? It's pretty harmless, isn't it? There's no. I mean, who is? Who is this person that's hijacked your <laughs> skinny frame today? Maybe who I'm is just, this? Maybe who I'm is this is now doing wagering ads and saying, "Ah, oh, it doesn't matter. Why does everyone worry about things? Who are you? And I su- hello. And who I support- is this? And I supported the netball move. <laughs> You're like, oh, don't worry about the netball. Is it? No, you know, why not do an ad? What, what's happened? I don't know. And, you, and you're dragging our brand into it. Positively, that's a positive reference of brand, isn't it? Surely. You're all of a sudden casting yourself as a funny guy. No, I'm not that. I just what? delivered something, I think, deadpan. Hopefully it was what the has, tone. What has happened? I don't know, actually. I've, 
I think I'm having a breakdown, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you've just lived your life on this sort of. Cons- this is like a midlife journalistic crisis you're going through, isn't it? Well, maybe. Yep. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah. Hey, hey, speaking it, of which, stuff doesn't seem as serious at times, though, as it, as, it, as I may have once thought it was. <laughs> so. You get caught up in you're stuff. becoming me and I'm becoming you. This is a this, this is a, disaster. Worry, this is a real worry. <laughs> disaster. Hey, did I hear that around town that uh, Luke Darcy was taking serious questions now about his aspirations for the Liberal Party? And I'm not sure I can comment on that. We're being blamed for it, and you've been asked to call any discussion around it and just back off. We, we my mail, before you answer that, my my understanding in your um, your end of the dial is that the the, the high ranking end well, of the dial. Wouldn't have thought so. You, you've well, been, go back over the ratings, Hutchie. Oh, happy to. 10 you, plus you've Friday, been, Saturday, you've Sunday. You've been asked. 10 plus, Hutchie. To cease 10 and plus. desist. Yeah, there's at least 10 listeners. You've been asked to cease and desist. 10 plus across all platforms. You've been I'm asked, only talking about this because you raised it. You've been asked we led s- every single platform. You've been asked to cease and desist any discussion about Luke and his political no, that's not, that approaches. Is not, that is not true. Have you been warned off? <laughs> we discussed it again last Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the easy option uh, may have been to not address it at all, but in true Triple M fashion, we went warts and all yep. in again. Yep. Um yeah, look, we, you started it though. You started it two Tuesdays ago on this no, platform. I did, but and, I, and I, I then was obliged of, to raise it on the, in Spring Street now, <laughs> being asked I, about whether this is actually a genuine thing or us being tongue in cheek. I well, I've been asked the same question, and I, and I believe Luke has been asked the same question too. Yeah, but you you seem to talk with some authority. But are you distancing yourself from? No, I think when you put a poster up in your front yard, it sets off a chain of events. I noticed we got some criticism about the Judd coverage too in Brighton, and a few people pointed out to us that we, they, we did, did we? Yeah, we did, yeah. On, did so, on the so, do you read our Twitter feed? Nah. <laughs> what do they say? <laughs> what do they say? Oh, we got a few drive-bys on it. Why? One, well, on what, quite a on few, what grounds? One of the suggestions was <laughs> what for, that, for sticking up for Beck for having an opinion well, on what's going on in a suburb. There was a suggestion, like untested allegation, that Beck is tangled up more friendly with the, and so is Chris with the local members. <laughs> Who are liberals and have been part of their, or, or maybe she's just. And the, the Dan reaction was one that, uh, yeah, and I'm across the background here type reaction. Like I know that they're aligned to the people that don't like me and the political. Like that was that was that what was what I was getting hit in my inbox. Is that fair, Jane? By the way, Jane actually reads. The well, Twitter. this is where this is why I don't bother reading. There was stuff, suggestions of some political affiliations. Yeah. So they so like. Well, you, I'm not aware. Are you of running a that. Friday night shop front for the Liberal Party over there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, yeah. I once I once met Tony Abbott. If I once had dinner with Tony. I find out that Matthew Guy is stepping down and Mark Howard's the new leader of the state Liberal Party. I'm getting like, the Nash Chew is all of a sudden the federal tre- the state treasurer. Right. Like, what's going on over there? It's just, just a shop front for the Liberal Party. What I did love, and I think this happened after we did speak about this last week. Beck doubled down. Yep. <laughs> Which I, I think is fantastic. I didn't have any doubt about that. Look. Mm. Strong views, staunch in them. Yeah, good on her. I think that's great. No. Um, By the way, who do you think? Will, just before we leave the topic, if you could pick a grumpy season medalist, because <laughs> I'll tell you what I reckon's happened. Well, it's not me now because I'm happy. I reckon nine have sent TJ to Wimbledon to get him out of grumpy season, <laughs> or, or just to maybe head up the Wimbledon coverage, <laughs> Hutchie, which I think was. <laughs> Who's going to take that chair? Do you know? I think is it Nathan Brown? I heard. Is that right? Yep. Well, he's in the... You're party. on the show. What am I, what are you asking well, me for? I would think it's going to be I Nathan realized, Brown. I just realised what I was saying there. I was like answering a question and... <laughs> yeah. I would think it's going to be Nathan Brown, but it's not yet officially. certainly doing some good lobbying for it. Um, if if I said to you there's a headline in the paper that you've, you've been more shocked about in your time, well, this ranked pretty highly, Damo, by the way. What's the secret to Beck Judd's enduring appeal? Question mark. <laughs> In the Herald Sun. While we're talking about Beck Judd. You know, is, and, and, is it guilty escapism like watching the Kardashians' middle-class boredom or marketing brilliance? What's behind Melbourne's obsession with Beck Judd? Oh, Question that's mark. Right. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that, that went out on Friday, didn't I think, before Ronellis Costa. How many people responded with? Commas special <laughs> on, on Beck Judd. How many people responded with? Wait a minute! You're telling you're asking us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The only the only organisation obsessed to use their word is the Herald Sun. I think I, people I, just I, I, I take like everything like. she says on face value and and either chooses to 
uh, read or, or delve into a into a story or choose not to. What about this? With something like this, we're getting a lot of feedback in the comments box that we're a bit obsessed with Beck Jard as a paper. How are we going to handle that? Let's post the question. Anyone got, anyone got any ideas? Why is everyone obsessed? And someone down the corridor went. What about? What, let's put we it back on the it. public. <laughs> let's put it back on the public. We blame them. We oh. flip it. And and again, Hutchie, I, I chose not to click. I it it would have been the highest ranks. And because if you're actually a verity led journalist, that was a clever idea because you've made a story out of yourself and it would have ranked one on the day on the verity score. That little little battle you have with yourself and we discussed this regularly, don't click, don't click. I didn't click, but I, I did read it in the hard copy when it came the next morning. Oh, and, 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 and yet again, I did. I didn't, didn't click. Yeah, uh, but yet again, yet again, there were there were lots of magnificent quotes from people without names, such yep. But they're, they're perfect quotes. Um, by the way, uh, I saw that Mitch Cleary broke that story today about Stephen May suspended for a week for one match for getting an allocation. With I don't know whether team. he broke it. Did, no, he, did. Yeah, no, did Mitch, he break it? Yeah, Mitch broke it. Where? He broke it this morning on uh, on social, so he took the honours. I don't think he broke it. <laughs> Hang on. I, I, see, I don't know if he did or he didn't, actually, but I don't know whether he did. I think that, no, he did. So I think another organisation is claiming making some phone calls last night on it. Well, it doesn't matter when you made the phone calls. That's not, that's not like saying I was thinking about baking a pie, but... Someone else baked it first. Like it's doesn't matter when you first thought about baking it. You've got to put it in the oven and get it out and deliver um, it. Now we've had some fun this year. So with, what on um, the Mitch? I just should acknowledge it when while we can. Fair, fair play, Mitch. He breaks the yarn. I, I don't know whether he did, but if he did, well done, Mitch. And and not, Mitch doesn't need me to puppy's ties up any more than I already have. Now, Hutchie, uh, we've had some fun. I, oh, I have anyway, and I think you're coming along with the ride with me on it uh, with the ABC fact check, oh, which runs in union and unison with. RMIT fact check. It does. And there's an RMIT fact lab yep. as well. So, And don't forget, by the way, the submissions are now open for our um, international fact-finding mission. That's the one. Yep. yep. And they've got the badge from that international fact-checking yep. uh, uh, um, organisation. They've actually yep. got the badge. It's on their website. We are not making that up. There is a badge that they've received. There is. Yeah, they're well done. Um, that's the non-serious side to it. Uh, the same organisation, the ABC, um, had to apologise. ABC News apologises for broadcasting the incorrect image of a man charged with murder. That's a pretty serious um, element to their uh, week, and and as such, and, and obviously that is very serious. But when you want to set up yourself as an organisation to fact-check everything else and everything everyone else, that what they're saying, you, you probably do leave yourself wide open, don't you, when you make such a horrendous mistake, which a lot of organisations have made, and, and again... For anyone who are listening to us for the first time, we have spoken regularly about our many, many, many mistakes on this show over the past seven seasons. So you can go back through old episodes and find out those specific mistakes. But that is a pretty serious mistake to make, isn't it? It is. What's your what your point? Oh, my point is that they probably, you know, might want to concentrate on getting those things right rather than checking the works of other people uh, and other conversations that are had dissecting a 90-second conversation on a sports program that they did I see. So this a couple is, weeks oh, ago. Now, okay, now I got to the source of this. So you're still – so there's the old day, mate. Where have you been? Welcome. He's arrived. What time is it? 37 minutes in or something? Where have you been for the last 37 minutes? You've still got a little bit of you know what on the liver over oh, that story you. they wrote about the Sunday Funk <laughs> Show and the vaccine discussion. And that was your little just what I would call a square up. So mm. there – 90 second organic conversation was fact checked by two bodies. I and, yeah. yeah, I can't believe it took me that long to identify. I'm surprised the, you're actually the, engaging in the conversation for as long as you were. Identify the group. Why, why else would I have introduced fact check to the conversation, actually, without having a crack? It's been like, a, you know, you, you're like, you get them in the end, don't you? you know, they, they might throw one across the fence at you, but you throw just so many little bulbs back until they end up in the front yard. Now, NFL, Hutchie, is a sport that we are both obsessed with. Uh, the team's been announced. I want to raise this because um, there was one of the one of the social media um, platforms I do follow during the week um, outlined the the, the calling uh, teams of yep. five major organisations which are clearly uh, broadcasting NFL this year. ESPN, Fox, CBS, NBC and Amazon. Well, haven't they cut those rights up well, by the way? Yeah. Look at those five partners. They're massive partners. And... Again, without I mean, if you if you know the sport, you know the names: Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, Kevin Burkhart, Greg Olson, Tony Romo, who's my favourite uh, behind Joe Buck, Jim Nance, Mike Tirico, Colin, Chris Collinsworth, Al Michaels, Kirk Herbstreit, who's the yep. college guy college. moving up to the NFL this Gets year. Promoted. Um, they, they are just massive media names working for massive media organisations. Greg I, Olson is mining the chair for Tom Brady. Yeah, former that's player, the, Greg Olson. Yeah, that's You're, a babysitting. Is that what's happening there? Is it? Well, Tom's going to be that chair, isn't he, when he retires? 
That's the chair. I'll have to start, have to start earning the $54 million he's getting a year yep. in. Is that right? 54, was it? Greg's a good Times choice because he's very good at what he does, but he probably understands and knows it's for a limited time. It's not an easy thing to do to sign yourself up for a short-term gig like that. Deal. Yep. Yep. So five key organisations with massive names covering it. Uh, is it something that the AFL will be looking at in the next rights to just again we're not the economies of scale are so minute compared to that market and and the actual sport itself but is there a diversity component do you believe with what Gillan McLaughlin is uh, negotiating as he exits the organization when you say diversity a uh, diversity of 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 broadcaster i mean ultimately at the moment we've got channel 7 in a free to air oh. sense and and fox tell fox sports in a in a pay to air yep. uh, sorry pay per view or sorry Pay TV sense, um, and that's it. That's it. We've we've talked now for twenty five years, or basically twenty five years, certainly twenty two years of a possibility of a Telstra type arrangement coming into yep. the equation. We never do it. We ultimately never do it. Now again, I get back to the economies of scale being so minute in comparison. But could there be an additional partner this time around? I don't think so. I think it's a husband and wife versus an arranged marriage again, and then it's the two. The top, that's the two battle. Now, who knows where the nine bid, and if so, obviously they got stand they could bid with. Couldn't they bid? Well, even even Penn, just or just yep. ABC, for instance. Couldn't another network right. bid for Thursday nights? They could, but I, I think we're looking at we're looking at news and and seven and seven again in an uneasy marriage versus the fully aligned ten Paramount bid. You think it's as simple as that? Yep. Yeah. Is a 10 Paramount bid real? I, well, I wouldn't. Um, yeah, it is. Yep. Is it real in terms of the number it could get to to be competitive? Yeah, I think so. Yep. And take they, over the whole lot? They've got one significant advantage in that they're in it together. Like it's whatever you take from seven, you give to Fox and vice versa, makes the other person uncomfortable, other team uncomfortable. Like they, they just, that's just, there's going to be natural tension in that relationship forever. Because what if you give seven more, you give Fox, like you've got to get everyone happy on that. Yeah, so that's not an easy thing to do. Um, whereas in the other side, News would throw the toys out of the car. Well, I mean, they? there's a which is a- absolute. Let's just call this for what it is for a minute. There is a number that has to be significantly more from the outside of the tent than in, in part to get in. So this is what, with no knowledge, this is what how I would read the ten paramount bid. Right, it's going to need to be significantly more money. Point one, you're not going to leave for. Well, ten- why not just one dollar more? Well, because you wouldn't blow up a long-time legacy partnership that's been as good and great as Seven's history in the game and, and uses support of the game, Fox, for an extra dollar. You do it. You might do it for a lot, 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 lot more money, and even then you're going to give them a look at getting near it or close to it. So one, you're going to have to have a lot more money, and then but then money becomes a factor if it is a lot more. Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't think it's a factor if it's five percent more, but if it's a lot more. Then you look, five percent's a lot when you're talking billions. It is, but then there's a there's also the cost of what. Well, there's the the, the de- you got to assess the damage bill as well. Well, the damage bill comes damage with bill the toys is, being thrown out of the cop by Fox. To well, yeah, news. I mean, do you want it, do you really want them giving you a hard time for the next five years? Like it's you got well, you got to price might be, it. Might be time to test those waters because. Oh, there's no there's, one. There's a there's a price where you're willing to deal with it. I don't know if five percent more is necessarily the price for me. Right. Just a one person's view. So they can underbid, is what you're saying, to well, keep it? Yeah, well, I, th- I think I have to match or get close to, you know. Yeah. But close enough, probably. And then the second thing is, um, like, KO is a really good product. Would you agree with that? Yeah, look, I, I'm it's still – I've still got the Foxtel subscription, yep. so I, I, I use the Go um, version of yep. the streaming. So I'm not familiar with it as, as well, a lot it, of it, I mean – Yeah, I've been told nothing but – the fact it's, that it is. I've, I've certainly used I haven't, it. I don't know anyone doesn't think it's a great product. It's yep. a great product. It, they've they've yep. solved every yep. challenge there was to solve. Yep. You can surf around. You can do your thing. It's it's great. But and it is 2022, and, and, and that's just a given, surely. That, yeah, that's a given. You've got a, you've got a known platform there versus one that you are going to have to build in Paramount. It's not – it needs – Paramount needs the AFL, not the other way around. So then you've got to price that into – I think you've got to price that into your thinking too. You've got to say, well – Hmm. It needs to be, you know, we've got to take the risk on the on the scale issue of Paramount. So that's 
that's just all obvious stuff, right? The, yeah. the bid outside always has to be But bigger. it's got to be more. It's got to be more. And there's no first and last rights component to this negotiation, is there, as there has been in the past. I don't believe so. But I, I don't I'm not really. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in the grandstand on this one like you are. I have no idea. Yep. But I would think if you were just applied logic to it, you go, well, we want the best number we can get, and that has to be – and you know, pin your ears back and give us everything you got plus some because we're going to – you know. Is it easier for Paramount to spend a lot of money on getting the AFL as a anchor product versus having to spend tens of millions of marketing to tell people they exist? Um, and so, and then they've got, but they've got a competitive advantage. People will find it. People will find it. It's not as if they need to invest money to. Hey, if you want to watch AFL this way, people will find it. I, I agree with that. But then, so the AFL are really building that kind of helping build that platform for them. Yep. Hutchie, a, a man uh, well-known... that's all. That's pretty obvious stuff. Isn't there? I don't oh, the, the money component, and, and sorry, the, the overbidding requirement is is something I don't think I've heard you say before on that. Well, I, I, I like, always thought you'd just oh, probably... Well, not, not thought you'd take the dot next level, but I thought you'd only needed to, need to get a bit more, not, not well, I think it's significantly like a, Wouldn't more. it be like a... Um, you're trying to move a player from a footy club, they don't leave for 2% more, do they? It's a go price and a stay yeah. price. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think that's a great example. I reckon there's a go price and a stay price in this deal. If there's no other players, yeah, the incumbent will be favourites, and it looks like a very real competitive bid, doesn't it? You're convinced it's competitive, yep. Because I, I keep hearing mixed reports or varying reports as as to the competitiveness of it. Um, Ron Reed's passing since we last spoke on on this show. Someone who um, it was like an iconic figure in the uh, halls initially when I started in uh, in Flinders Street there at the at the Sun and, and the Herald before it became the the Herald Sun, um, and someone who I think is probably the definition of newspaper. It's it's a sad loss. Very sad. Um, our thoughts are with the Reed family. He was a legendary figure in journalism. He was um, a brilliant writer, a brilliant editor. Um, very, he, could, he could cover any sport. Unbelievably versatile, very wise counsel. I wouldn't proclaim to know him as well as most or even as you, but my time with him, I just I loved him. Mm. I, just, I thought he was just one of the great... Um, curious characters of journalism, you know. He had such an aura, and yeah, had, I had a. He was gruff. He was gruff. Yeah, he could be, I'm sure he could. You know, he was gruff to his mate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you, my my best recollection was doing a tour of Uruguay, where he was there for the Herald Sun, and I was there for Channel Seven, and we had a week together. You know, when those when you cast with a bunch of small number of journalists on an yep. overseas trip, and you 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 like being on an island together for a week, and you've Become instant mates. You and you and Hound in Uruguay. That, that's covering actually... the Socceroos. Yep, yep. And he was. I found him just full of wisdom and advice. And you, yeah. Cricket was the 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 big one. I think for him, that was what he was covering um, massively when I first started. And and yeah, we used to, you did so many Test series, and he loved the Shield cricket, actually, which I did for a while there as well. But yeah, but Olympic Games was was where I think he was at his most versatile best. Where he, he loved he the Olympics. Go into softball into. Judo yeah. into into the track and, and and not miss a beat on on any aspect of it. So, yeah, I'll be going to his funeral on uh, on Friday of this week at um, at Caulfield Racecourse. What a figure in journalism and uh, credible contributor to both news and Fairfax, right? So our thoughts um, yeah. are with his family on yeah, a very and, sad and, time. And in true keeping with with, with Hound, um, he was tweeting on the uh, New Zealand England Test match at Lords the night. Prior to, yeah. to passing. Yeah, and, and that that's him. He was fascinated by, by all of that. So, yeah. Hachi, let's uh, head to question of the week. On the sounding board, it's our question of the week for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to drink, choose to Drinkwise. And that's right. Damo, so you're pointing me to ask a question oh, of yeah, you. Because, question well, two, is it? Well, there's a couple of options, but one we've already discussed. Uh, Daniel on Twitter has already uh, – we've already yep. discussed the Nepal Australia issue. So the second option, yep. Hutchie, okay, involves me, so I'd rather you to write it. And if you had have actually followed my prompts there with yep. my pointing, you would have gone to that and realised so, I, I need you to ask that question. All of the kind of behind-the-scenes cues that you do, I just I just call them out because I'm, I'm, this is a behind-the-curtain podcast. Well, maybe you, follow the lead, Hutchie. I'll try yeah, to actually do it off-air. For drink-wise, you won't miss a chance to ask the tough questions <laughs> on the sounding board if you drink-wise. Damo, says Mark Anthony, has often thought clubs turn players from characters into robots. Correct. Do you think, Damo, the media may have a small part to play in this? Specifically, the constant articles and tweets about Jack Ginnivan and making veiled remarks about his character seemed seem aimed at putting him back in his box somewhat spitefully. 
Thoughts? Question mark. <laughs> uh, Mark, I I don't read that. Now, I'm not saying what your reading is, is, is wrong. I, I just don't see it that way. I think he's been one of the uh, breaths of fresh air this competition so desperately needs. And there's no doubt Kane Corns is... Um, Attempted takedown of him in, in round one when he used the uh, the GoPro at the club's request was was part of all of that. But winning an Anzac Day medal and and, and as we speak, um, dealing with the, the the scrutiny now that umpires seem to be umpiring him differently to other players because of a tendency perhaps to to stage for freeze. No, I, I don't see any of that, Mark. And what I have loved about um, his own coach Craig McRae's attitude to it is that he doesn't want him to change. Now again, whether that does change itself over the next two or three years or even two or three months. Who knows? But at this stage, from what I can tell, the club is doing its best to allow him to be whoever it is that he wants to be. And as such, I, I, I see nothing but positivity around that aspect of it. And, and in terms of the media, we we, we love him. I, I think collectively, we love him. There's certainly no um, push from, from anything that I'm connected to or, or aware of to, to have him go back in a box like every single other player seems to end up in very quickly. Very defensive. No, nah, it's not. Just answering a question from Mark Anthony on email, Hutchie, as question of the week for Drinkwise. That's all it is, Hutchie. There you go. So that, there we go. I think that's everything for today. Anything to finish with? We miss anything? <laughs> well, I'd, I'd normally, you know, do a motion to wind you up, but then you'd broadcast no, that. So no, yeah. no, no glass jaw today. So oh, did we have a glass jaw? No, we'll park that for okay. next week. All right. And of course, I'm also people. looking for hashtag Grumpy Season uh, references. Over the, so once the season so, begins, so we're after glass jaw nominations yep. and grumpy. Monday we celebrate MND and Neil Danaher and his legacy, and we look forward to that. And good luck to everyone on Fight MND on, on on Monday. And it's a beautiful occasion, great game of footy, big freeze, everyone involved. Somehow it gets bigger every year, that doesn't it? And the next day we take all of our positive sentiment and we just get start to get grumpy. Okay. So, <laughs> well. With my permission, you can pick me up when I hit that zone, right? I intend to. Okay. Uh, That was episode 18, series 7 of... Go on. I'm saying, I'm going to write, I'm one of these, I'm going to write down everyone who's fleeing the country during grumpy season. Yep. Keeping it like a... Is it it just country or even even state? A register of those... I've got a few more names for Leaving their posts. I've got a few more names for everybody. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm jealous. Where is James Brayshaw going? (laughs) Uh, he wasn't one of the names. <laughs> but, but no doubt he will be. Yeah. What's Jane? Caro's are going soon, yeah. Oh, Caro's going yeah. soon. Where's she going, Jane? <laughs> this has been the sounding board. <laughs> oh, of course she is. For Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Thanks for listening to the Sounding Board Podcast with Hutchie and Damo. Tune in for questions tomorrow and to send a question to the boys, email thesoundingboard at sen.com.au, follow the show on Twitter at Sounding Board EP and like the Facebook page. It's all thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Drinkwise.